Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I was missing half my team, so we're starting late. No big deal, Brian. <laughs> um, we're going to get started. I mean, it's vineyard time, right? That's what we do. Five minutes late, ten minutes late, it's okay. Um, but we're going to get started with some worship through our music, and then my father is going to bring the word this morning. So I'm going to pray over all of us today, and then we're going to get started with some music. Um, and we're a very free congregation, so please feel free to worship in whatever way you feel um, led to worship. Just beware of your neighbor if that's, that's a concern for you. Um, but I'm going to pray. Um, God, we are so thankful just for the opportunity to get to come together and to worship and to be in community. Um, I don't take for granted that we get to do this every week, and I'm so thankful that we get to um, see the people in this congregation and just get to love on each other and to worship together. So we pray and we ask, come Holy Spirit into this space. Um, make this not anything about us or what we do, how we sound, the words we say, but just all about you, Jesus. Because without you, this is just, it's just noise, really. So um, I just pray over us. I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to everything that you have for us to receive this morning. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get started. Are you guys good? You ready? You good? Okay, we're going to get started. Freedom. 
With one voice we sing in worship and in wonder Saying you alone are unlike any other Hear our praises as we welcome you together Jesus Find a true and firm foundation 
There's no need to fear, no need for hesitation There's a name that echoes over all creation Jesus Lift Him high above the heavens Over every situation that surrounds us Sing His name with expectation For the God of our salvation is among us In you we find a true and firm foundation There's no need to fear, no need for hesitation There's a name that echoes over all creation Lift him high above the heavens, 
Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. You have a tag team this morning. That's right. So, <laughs> so uh, Lori and Scott are over with uh, Brent and Teresa in Lakewood uh, at the ordination of Matt Shedler, and we both volunteered to do the announcements, so we're going to do them together for you. So, Share. welcome, welcome, welcome. Today we finish the sermon series, The Reason for God. Pastor Jim will be sharing, When Last Place Makes You a Winner. Wow, that's a big one. And that's in Mark 10, 
17 through 31, so your Bible, your, your uh, app, whatever, and follow along or it's in the bulletin. And today is our um, 2023 CFK team meeting and potluck from 12 to 2 p.m. in the fellowship hall. Come if you're part of the team or you would like to help in any way. All right. Our Vineyard Food Resource Center is back again open after a, a day off last week. So come in to help with the food box assembly. Uh, that's from 4.30 to 6. And then on Tuesday, beginning at 11, for a setup, three giveaway. And at 6, we especially need volunteers to help clean up. So come and be a part of our resource center. So next, um, join us here at the Vineyard next Saturday, November 11, for a table talk dealing with conflict in today's culture. Because none of us have any conflict. Some topics will be how to handle conflict with guidance from the Bible and why are relationships important to fight for. Hosted by Jim Dorning and moi <laughs> from 12 to 2 p.m. We'll meet in the fellowship hall. All right, uh, membership class. God is calling each of us to a higher level of commitment and responsibility. Is he calling you to membership here? Join us next Sunday following the service from 10, 11.30 to 1 in the fellowship hall. And Operation Shoebox Final Collection and Blessing is next Sunday, November 12th. So check out the display in the lobby and see Kathy O'Brien. Kathy, are you here? No. no, okay, she's not here today. But see her um, for any details or questions. Yeah. Actually, the display is right back in the back of the sanctuary, so you can check it out there. All right. Do you want to see your church decorated for Christmas this year? It's always beautiful. We need somebody to head that up. So if you're interested in being in charge of making this place beautiful to celebrate Christ's birth, see Denise. And don't forget today's offering. We have a small table set up at the back of the sanctuary for your offering, or you can donate with Zell. All right. And today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Christians. You know, there's more and more persecution against Christians right here in the U.S., but it's nothing compared to many, many places around the world. So you can check out the flyer in your bulletin, and now we're going to watch a video. In a moment, Suzette will come up and do a prayer. Thank you. Thank you. I never chose to become a Buddhist monk. My parents chose it for me. far away to a monastery and my father left me there For the next nine years, I was trained to be a monk. Eight hours a day, seven days a week. Eight 
all I did was memorize and recite. Memorize and recite. The words of the Buddhist text spoke of peace and tranquility. But my teachers lived something very different. I was 13 when I finally ran away from the monastery. said I had shamed the family because I didn't finish my training. He enrolled me in first grade. He would begin my education all over again. Okay, so today we have a new student joining us. So everyone say hello to Sejun. One of my teachers talked to me with respect, showed me a kindness I never experienced in monastery. You can read this for me. Uh, the first John. Okay, great. God showed how much He loved us by sending His. He's one, one, the end, only. What is this? Huh? You're not supposed to read these types of books in the house!
Good morning, church family. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you this morning as we ask that you give courage and strength to our youngest brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we ask that the Christian parents and church leaders will boldly disciple the children despite of the opposition. We pray that the children will grow in spiritual maturity and obedience. They will become faithful witnesses. We also ask that you will help them to experience the truth that Christ is the light of the world. Heavenly Father, inspire us through the examples of our youngest persecuted brothers and sisters to boldly shine the light of Christ to those who are trapped in spiritual darkness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Pastor Jim will be up to share the message. Do a little house cleaning before we get started. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see everyone. Great worship this morning, wasn't it? Great worship. Lift him high above the heaven over every situation that surrounds us. Speak his name with expectation. For the God of our salvation is among us. Amen. Amen. No greater words. So, um, if you didn't know who I am, I'm Pastor Jim, one of the pastors here at the church. Thank you. Uh, A couple things before we get started. Please keep uh, Stephanie Lupo and her family uh, in your prayers. Um, her uh, son has had passed away, and we did the service for her on Friday, or for him on Friday, I should say. And it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Death is hard no matter what, but when it's your child, I can't... Like if there's anything I cry out against is to never ever be the one to have to bury one of my children. Um, And for those um, who were uh, with us uh, maybe a little bit longer in the church, um, November 11th will be a celebration of life service for Mary Lou Moore. Um, If you knew Mary Lou, um, uh, she was uh, her and Kim and, and Cindy and their family were uh, part of this family, I remember her, uh, Mary Lou's uh, father, Mike, super character. Um, but yeah, so she has gone on to uh, be with the Lord, um, and you should have received an email um, with all the um, uh, particulars um, for her celebration of life on the 11th. And then we have some 
Um, I, I think it's some exciting news. Um, uh, Jeff and Debbie are celebrating 50 years. This is their 50 year anniversary. Yeah, so that's, that's super exciting. It gives me hope, uh, after been married 30 years, that there's 20 more in us. Um, and that's super cool. If I'm lucky, my wife says, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's pray. And we are moving into the last, can you believe it, the last uh, session of our The Reason for God um, how many people have been going through or are part of this study? That's awesome. It's something I think that helps kind of bring the church together in the fall. It also creates new groups. But I think we pick studies that really um, stretch. I know it, it stretched us. How many, if you've watched any of the videos, kind of walk away going, oh my gosh, you know, or kind of dumbfounded at the end? When it's, I don't know about you, but like for me, it's like, how free are these people sharing that's in opposition of, to everything of what I believe? But it's cool. It's cool to have conversation. One of the reasons that Rochelle and I are doing the conflict uh, on the 11th is just that. It's creating a, a platform. It's creating a table, a space that, that people can have opinions, that people can have differing opinions. And... Possibly walk away friends. <laughs> Go figure. So Father, today we thank you. That song, Sing His Name, Jesus, Jesus over and over again. I just thank you, Lord, that there's, there's a place. That there's a place that you made for me. There's a place that you made for us. And that no matter how hard we try or no matter how great we fail, that we'll, if we don't know, we'll learn today that it's not about that. It's not about us. It's not about what we offer. It's not about what we can do. But it's about everything of who you are. And I'm thankful for that. That the cross and the resurrection was real and it was for everything. And it made space for each one of us. So help me today. Um, Lord, let them hear your words. Open their hearts and speak to them for just, I know that you've been working in me all week. Speak to the speak to the things in each person here's lives that, that this will touch down on. And we ask and thank you that and, and pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So the reason for God, each and every time, um, I think for me it's just really a series that has pressed me against um, how I feel like I should do things in my strength. Like when I'm, I think I'm good enough, or I think you know my opinion is right, or I think my answer is right, or 
I just don't want to do what God's asked me to do or what he calls me to do, right? And it's nice, I think it's challenging, I should say, when, when you hear an opinion that is so far against what you think or what you believe, but it's what they believe. One of the things that I've, I've really been encouraged with and mentored in in this journey and this process of ministry is, you know what, I'll sit across the table. I had a, a, a really a good relationship with a friend who thought reincarnation was it. He thought that was, that was what it was all about. And we would have conversations for hours. Because what we could do is we could talk and we could have conversations that... You know, um, uh, let's call him Steve. I said, Steve, what I want you to believe, if this is what you believe, believe it wholeheartedly. Don't let anything else slip in. If this is what you believe, I want you to be fully sold out to it. Because you know what? I'm fully sold out to Jesus. I'm fully sold out to the gospel. And it wasn't about me trying to win him over. It was about me just listening to him and having an opportunity to hear him say what he said. But if I would have been battling with him, if I would have been just against him and saying, no, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, no, you're wrong. Listen, I spent 10 years having people tell me I was wrong, and I kept walking away, and I kept walking away, and I kept walking away. It wasn't until the first person that came along and said, you know what? Yeah, do you know how screwed up I am? I'm pretty screwed up. But Jesus loves me. And I'm saying, if Jesus can love him, maybe he can love me too. Right? Right. So we're going to be uh, reading out of Mark today, Mark 10. So if you have a Bible or a device, or if you can see in distance, we'll put some scripture up on the screen. But you may be familiar, this scripture is about the rich young ruler. And um, I was kind of daunted when you read the title, um, I changed it when last place makes you a winner because I was scared to call it his title. Why do good people go to hell? Because that's scary to me. I don't want to talk about hell. I don't want to even think about hell, right? And I don't want you to think about it. So don't even think I said that word, right? No, there was a rally in it for me because you have to do a lot of unpacking when it comes to what you think about that. And not that I don't think that's real, and not that I don't think there's a time and a place for that discussion. But after I had a time to look through it and kind of process through the scripture, I realized that the very end, the very last verse, verse 31, and we'll, we'll read it, but it, it talks about when what this world tells you is a failure, what this world tells you is last. Jesus tells us it's first. And how do we get there? Do we get there because we just look back and we say, well, he said so. Right? Jesus said so. But this scripture is an amazing scripture because for, for all of us, we can read it and without too much effort, we can walk through each verse and kind of understand what's happening and what's taking place. It's some of the scriptures we look at, some of the, the books we read or some of the, the parts we look at, you have to kind of You've got to dig into it, and you have to, have to get like so deep into why they were saying it that this part, when we talk about the rich young ruler, I don't think we have to stretch too far for each one of us to think, how can I, like, this isn't too far from where I am. 
this isn't too far from who I am. Right? So let's read the scripture, and then we'll, we'll kind of break it down, and I'll have a few thoughts at the end. It says that Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell to his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. And then he said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for a rich to enter the kingdom of God? Then the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Well, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and he said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We had left everything to follow you, he said. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children's fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And Father, we just ask, come and bless these words. So we'll just walk through each and break down the scripture kind of in part. And then, like I said, I'll have a few, um, just kind of a few thoughts that, like for me, kind of brings this all together. So when we start in verse 17, we see that the rich young ruler says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So we have to take a minute and look who's asking the question. Why do you think Mark writes rich young ruler? He could have said a boy. He could have said a man. But he writes rich young ruler. Because I think he wants to give us some background and say, well, in that context, in that culture, a rich young ruler had everything. He was rich, a person who held power and position. He was young. So maybe he had a sense of arrogance about him. And he was a ruler. So he stands in the place of authority. Rich young ruler. And Mark points this out. And he's the one that's approaching Jesus. So he had to know, I think, a little bit of who this Jesus was. And he comes and he says, What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
So I think it's kind of neat. The next scripture, the next verse, Jesus doesn't even answer that right away. He says, why do you call me good? And then he says, no one is good except God alone. So for me, there's a reality that Jesus isn't like tipping his hat too much. But Jesus is standing there, still not bringing himself fully into his ministry. But he says, wait a second. You're calling me good, but no one's good except for God. And then I'm thinking, well, you're God, and you're there, so you're good, but you're saying nobody's good except for God. Jesus is addressing the rich young ruler's ideal for what good is, and he says, only God is good. Do you think that maybe the rich young ruler thought he might have had the formula already figured out? Right? Like he already knew before he asked the question what the answer was going to be. Because his status already told him who he was. If we're not careful, we'll believe what this world tells us who we are. And what we what we what we are and the success we have. Right? So I think in this part, Jesus is kind of pulling that out and saying, listen, wait a second, before we go any further, we gotta debunk this good this this whole good part. And in nineteen he says, You know your commandments, right? You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, give false testimony, you shall not defraud or dishonor your mother and father. But if you really look, Jesus didn't pull out the first four commandments, right? But what I think he's also saying is, listen, you, you know, you've heard, you've been taught. This is, this is like something the culture has already fed into you. And when we look at verse 20, we see that that's his response. The rich and ruler says, yes, all these I have kept since I was a boy. So I think maybe that's where the rich young ruler was like, got it, I'm in, right? Because the rich young ruler from very long ago had a chance to feel good about his accomplishments because he thought that all he had to do was keep those commandments, follow that law, right? And now as we go on, we'll see that he'll find out who he's really talking to. Because I think they were more accomplishments for him that were based on his actions and were not based on his heart at all. In verse 21, Jesus looked at him and he loved him and he says, One thing you lack, go sell everything and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Why do you think in that particular verse he said, Um, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Just think for a second. He looked at him and he loved him. And then he says, listen, there's one thing. 
So I think, like for me, it's a great example when we're talking with people, when we're like walking with somebody through some hard things, it's to make sure that we have compassion and not arrogance. It's to make sure that we understand that we are going to, like when I think of, well, I told him in love, right? Some of the worst beatings I've taken have been in love. But here Jesus says, looked at him and he loved him. It was more important for that connection than even the fact that he was going to share something that was going to be the truth of where this rich young ruler stood. One thing you lack was giving correction. And you know what? He started to point out to the rich young ruler, here's truly where your heart is. He said, go sell everything, give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. We'll pull, we'll, we'll kind of dive a little bit more into the treasure of heaven, but I want you to think about that. Like one of the things while I was preparing for the message is I had to really figure out what I thought treasure in heaven meant. So just think about that. Keep that going in the back of your mind while we kind of keep going through the verses. But what does that, what does treasure in heaven mean to you? And here we get to the crux of the verse in 22, and he said, He went away sad because he had great wealth. So me being more cynical in some ways when I'm thinking about it, my first thought was, was the rich young ruler truly asking the question? Or is he just trying to go through the motions to get to the answer to what he needed? Maybe the rich young ruler already knew the answer. Maybe he didn't. But I can tell you that that wasn't the answer he was looking for, right? Remember, before we read, Jesus loved him. Jesus really showed him that it was something that he wasn't going to be able to do. Now listen, it wasn't something he was going to be able to do, but he asked him to do it anyways, right? Because I I think of... uh, Remember Don Henley, The Heart of the Matter, his song? That song keeps playing in my head. It's the heart of the matter of what Jesus is getting at with the rich young ruler. Because remember, he said, no one is good except God. So do you ever find yourself in that place where you're, you're like running up into something or you think you have the answer or you're, you're like, okay, I've done everything I need to do, but then... All of a sudden, that, that next step that you never thought about gets asked of you, and you're like, oh. And take it even a step further when you say yes to Jesus. And there seems to be a ton of stuff that you can just push aside. Like for me, oh, sure, I can do that. Oh, sure, I can do that. Oh, sure, I can do that. And then you get through those, oh, sure, I can do that. And Jesus now starts asking some of the tough questions. Right? How many people have been asked the tough questions by Jesus? It's funny for those that I don't think raised their hand because I couldn't raise my hand too long ago, it's because I was afraid to ask the tough questions. Right? That's truth. You've got to be willing to ask them, right? 
And then you have to be willing to hear what Jesus has to say about it. You see, Jesus got to the point where he knew where the rich young ruler's heart was and he walked away. The rich young ruler thought he had done everything he needed to do to get into this eternal life. And it was his wealth and it was his status that meant something and it's what the world told him. But it meant nothing when we're moving to the kingdom of God. It meant nothing. And it's so counterintuitive. It's so counterproductive because we want the applause. We want the success. We want the fame. We want the fortune. But when you hear this, right, what happens when this happens? goes away there's nothing left there's no more when we head into verse 23 this would be 23 through 25 and Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples so now this is a teaching moment how hard is it for a rich to enter the kingdom of God right as they had witnessed this whole conversation and saw what the rich young leader did The disciples were amazed, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom. So I think Jesus asked this question because he's trying to let the disciples in and understand really what he was was doing when he was talking to the rich young ruler. And there's a key word in that scripture where he says children. And when I read children, I read teachable moment. So he's not scolding. He's not saying you whatever. He's saying children, really listen to me. How hard is it? And then he says, like to me it would be maybe an example. So It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than someone of the rich to enter the kingdom. So I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, well, Jesus is God. He can do anything. Or maybe it's a 15-foot needle, right? So you create this huge needle and the camel can walk through. Or maybe Jesus just makes the camel really small. Now, if it were me, he would never get through the eye because I can't even put thread through the eye of a needle. Yeah, so that's a two-day ordeal for me, and then I just end up giving up. But in that culture, what I think he was pulling the gaze away from the disciples was that they thought the rich young ruler had everything. And Jesus says, wait a second. Look what he wasn't willing to give up. He wasn't willing to give up this. And trust me, for somebody who thinks they have it all, it would be easier for a camel. Or to me, it would be easier to eat an elephant in one bite or whatever impossible thing you can think of to fill in the blank there. Because it is. It's impossible. Don't we want to try to figure these things out and make like the statement false or try to figure out metaphorically what Jesus might have been speaking of. 
But to me, there's a reality. I don't think it was a metaphor. And there's, there's, there's teachings you can read, and there's some commentaries that said, yeah, there was this place. It was called the Eye of the Needle, and it was like this passage. And I don't think it's that complex. I think Jesus is just saying, wait a second. You want to see impossible? Here's really, when you think of the rich young ruler, here's what the impossibility for him because it wasn't willing to give up what he thought was everything. And we go on to verse 26, and I think it's funny because then the disciples, in just a real sense, they ask, who can be saved? And he walks again with them and saying, listen, those who have given it all and believe that the world has given them everything back doesn't have a chance. Because it's impossible that the wealth of the world will run out. Matter of fact, I love in Revelation where it talks about that the streets will be made of gold. Right? And, and we think, oh my gosh, wonderful. But you know what the, the reality in the, in the statement of the streets being made of gold was that gold, which is very valuable and it is a sign and a source of wealth and prestige, is going to be a building material in the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be what we walk on or drive on or maybe do donuts with our car if we have cool cars. Jesus is saying that rich people that lived at this time or do you think he's saying that they'll never ever be able to enter the kingdom? I don't think it's that definitive, but I think he's saying, listen, if, if there's something that you have in this hand that's far more greater than the gift of really what the rich young ruler was asking about, and he's saying, how can I have eternal life? Jesus says, well, do you really want to know the answer? Right? In 27, Jesus says, with man this is impossible, but with God, but not with God, with God all things are possible. So I think right then, Jesus is starting to create a signpost for the disciples to follow. I think they're still dumbfounded by what they saw with the rich young ruler, and this is evident when Peter asks. He asks, so, and I, I think, I, I love Peter because he says what I think sometimes. You know, we've left everything to follow you, so what's up? Haven't we given it all? Like, what more do we have to do, right? So just think, there's, there's many times, I think, when the disciples are walking with Jesus that Jesus does something where it just messes with their brains. And they have to kind of retrieve themselves and kind of be like, okay, I've learned, I've learned. And this is another part where they, I can believe, sitting back, well, we'll know, we'll know what the rich young ruler, we'll, we know how this is going to play out, and it didn't play out that way at all. So Peter asks, what do we have left to follow? To, to what, what We have left everything to follow you. And there's the cost. So think about it. Saying yes to Jesus, is there a cost in that for us? I can tell you, when I first said yes to Jesus, I was like, hmm, 
Okay, I don't feel any different. I walked through the door and I was like, hmm, I still feel the same. But I think right here, they're getting at the part where they're looking at saying, wait a second, we left everything. We left everything. Haven't we done enough? Aren't we in position to win the prize? And to me, that gives me a chance to think about, well, here, I didn't leave anything. I'm not homeless. I'm not walking around. I, I still kept my family. I still kept my house. I still you know, did the things like I, stepped, I kept on the same path. But I can tell you personally that it has cost me everything. It's cost me everything. Because each day I have to look back and, and step away from the man that I used to be. Not because of any other reason that I'm giving that up, I'm giving that away. And in process, I'm changing to be the man that Jesus is calling me to be, or the woman that Jesus is calling you to be. And he continues on with another teaching moment when we look at 29 and 30. He says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields. Now watch, he says, for me and the gospel. Don't glaze over that. Whoever has done all this, you're giving us your accolades, right? This is what I've left. This is what it cost. And he's saying, who's ever done that? Not because you want to to get one step up or get one step closer or feel like you've, you know the, the secret knock <clears throat> or you know the password to get into this thing called eternal life. But he says, for me and for the gospel. So there's something greater, but we have to be in exchange of what we think, well, now can I give that away? Oh, can I give that away? Versus even standing there saying, listen, I did all you asked, but I did it because I wanted to do it for me. I didn't do it because I wanted to do it for you. It's a whole different place for us to be. Because I think we can do it with all selfish expectations to gain advantage, but you'll fall short. I can guarantee it. If you've achieved worldly success and status, you fall short. I guarantee it. I think even for the even for the disciples, Jesus is walking through, and it's another heart check for them. Listen, if you're doing it for me and the gospel, you will not fail to receive a hundred times as much of the present age of all those things. And then don't skip over these three words, along with persecution. Amen. Along with persecution. So some of those things, or some of those places, you know, my wife and I, as we're making this transition, we're starting to do a lot of assessments for us personally and starting to walk this journey out. And one of the things that I really thought was, you know, there's a time and a place. I just forgot my thought.
I can tell you it was going to be an amazing thought. <laughs> Probably the one that was going to tip this whole sermon over. I just, it literally just shot out of my brain. Okay, as we carry on. Whew. Part of this I'm sorry, I'm still trying to figure it out. Part of this teachings in 29 and 30, I believe that there's a a reality that we have to get to that point where we say we're not strong enough. We're not good enough. We're not bold enough. We're not smart enough. It doesn't, like, I don't want it to bring us down because I think there's absolutely things that we do that, that, that we can um, achieve great things. But we can achieve them with the right motives and with the right intentions versus like running out there and saying, God, look what I did for you. And then he looks and he says, well, I didn't ask you to do any of that. And in 31, as we wrap just the scripture up, it says, but many who are first will be last and last will be first. What we think success and accomplishment is, is the, by the world standards, it will cost us everything, won't it? Because I think, how many times have I seen, you know, you, you read the stories. They finally think they've achieved it all. And they sit in their house and they're miserable. And they have Nothing. They have everything this world says is great and successful and fame and fortune. But they have nothing. And that's really, I think if we sit there, for us, there's a battle that goes on on our mind because it says, if only I had, what? If only I had enough money. If only I was skinny. Did you hear me? If I was skinny. (laughs) that's a rage in my mind for years, my lifetime. If only I was, you fill in the blank. Where's Jesus in that sentence? He's nowhere. And if we're going to believe and if we're going to follow and we're going to have this ideal that all things are possible with God and impossible without Maybe we have to start changing our thinking around a little bit. Part of, I think, what Jesus is teaching, too, when he talks about the the first being last and the last being first, is to really help us strengthen our heart to love and to pursue truth for him and for the gospel. Amen? Amen. So as we wrap things up, I have a few thoughts for us. You know, to have it all, but to really have nothing. You know, we've talked about this morning, all of our lives we're told what success is, what happiness is. Read these books, take these pills, how to be our best self, right? Do you know how big the self-help industry was last year? $13.2 billion. 
There's a book here, there's a book on the shelf that if you want to give me $13.2 billion, I'll take it from you. But I'm pretty sure there's a lot in that book that will give you all the self-help you need. Amen? We spend our entire lives chasing after what? Not enough money, not enough fame, not enough success, not enough things. And we get to the end, what do we have? Nothing. Besides, I love Stephen Wright. He said, if I have everything, I wouldn't know where to keep it. Another thought I had is there's a cost to enter the kingdom. Don't tell me there isn't. There's a part of the world that are blowing each other up right now. And it's not to create any kind of political conversation or anything, but all I think about is like they're, they're in it because they believe something's going on that's going to earn them something to win the battle for what they believe. And it's devastating destruction on both sides. You know, we qualify ourselves as being good people. And that's where it all came together for me when I was thinking about it. So, yeah, if you ask me, good people can go to hell. Think about it. Because if I'm qualifying my goodness by what I've done, or am I qualifying the goodness of God in my life, there's a huge difference there. Our focus is on what things that we're doing right or well. We can be helping people. We can be giving of our time. The things that we do that look good to others will not get us there. It's not the solution. Thinking back to the rich young ruler, he said, I kept those commandments. Like if I interjected some of like my amplified version of Jesus, it would be so what? Jesus gets right to the point and he says, go sell everything and give the money to the poor and then you'll have treasures greater. You'll have the greatest treasure in heaven. There's nothing more valuable to the rich young ruler than his money. Not eternal life and not life with Jesus. And it was evident because he said no. You know, here's a tough question. Have you ever thought about the things in your life that Jesus might be asking you to give away? And are you willing to do it for the treasures? Kind of goes back to that initial, you've got to be asking him the questions first, right? I can tell you straight up for me, Absolutely. I've asked the questions, he's asked me to give it away, and I said, let's talk about something else. I'm just being honest. It's that last 20% that I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, really, God, I'm good. Do you see all the other things I did for you? Right? The question 
Another thought is, how hard is it, and now this story is about the rich man, but how hard is it for the rich or the good or the kind or polite, compassionate, charitable, generous, or whatever you fill in to enter the kingdom? Jesus asked this question, and he talks about something impossible that we see that's sitting in front of us. It's impossible when we think there's anything that we can do to make it happen in our own strength and our own power. If you don't ever remember anything from today, that like take a picture. Oh, it's not up there. Take a picture. Zoom in. It's right about here. With man it's impossible. With God it's possible. All things are. Isn't it that we want to be on the fast track? God, how do I do it and not have to give up anything? We want the quick fix, we want to keep one foot in the world, and we want to keep one foot pointed toward what we think is eternal, right? Jesus, I want to do this, I want to play the game, I want to be with you, I want to love you, I want a relationship with you, but... We have to get past the but. We have to walk it out and just say, okay, let's have a conversation. I'm willing to listen. Even after putting this message together, I'm like, Lord, I'm willing to listen. We can easily distract ourselves with all the things less valuable by giving those things away. So the things that cause us to sin, the things that cause us to believe that they're greater than who Jesus is in our life, what, is it, what does it cost to give those away? Well, it may cost you eternal life, right? And my last thought... How do you know when you've given enough? Peter says we've left everything to follow you. My question to you is, what is your everything? What is your everything? What you're holding on to that if Jesus asks you to part with, you would walk away from Jesus and hold on to it and, and keep it. That's truth. I'm, like, there's probably not one of us who have given everything away. Right? We're all sitting in that same place. But my encouragement is, you know, daily, each time we walk up, we bump up against, we, we get to that place where we start feeling that uncomfortableness because Jesus is hitting that nerve or he's pressing into that one thing that we want to hold on that could be destroying us that he says, wait a second, but if you give it away... If you stop finding this more valuable than me, that's when you'll start understanding the goodness of who I am. That's when you're understanding that you know what you thought might have been impossible because of you doing it your way is absolutely possible when you're walking with me doing it my way. Can you see that? Now this isn't an A plus B equals C, so there's not a formula that says, hey, turn it all over, boom, 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 and everything will be great. Because remember... The persecution part of that one scripture. So we're still going to have challenges. But I want, to, I want to challenge you to walk away and really take a moment. Maybe on the drive home. Maybe when you get five minutes on the way to work, whatever. And start walking and saying, what is that one thing that I'm not willing to give away? Or what is that one thing God may be asking? And am I willing to give it away? 
You know, we run the race to achieve all this world has to offer, and we finish last. If we're mocked and we're persecuted, and our decision to give away everything to be with Jesus and have eternal life, we'll, we'll find ourselves in first place. Because it's not a standard of this world, it's a standard of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Final thought. You know, ever think about Jesus being the one who's our treasure? That was a big one for me because I thought about all the different treasures. I found myself with a big pile, as arrogant as that sounds. Jesus, I keep piling up the treasures. You know, you're going to have to build a room for all the treasures I've piled up. And he says, wait a second, I'm your treasure. And what's even more special? You're his treasure. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, thank you. I pray that you give each one of us today courage to ask those questions and walk up to those, those areas in our life that we're still saying, nope, I can't give it away. Nope. If this is what it's going to cost, then I'm going to choose this over you, Jesus. I pray for, for people to feel loved, and I pray for people to feel compassionate from you. But I also pray people, you know, Lord, that you give us all this encouragement to start or have or continue these conversations. Let us just walk through it. And let us be a part of, really, if, we're, if, if the goal in, in essence is to find out and to walk in this eternal life now. It's not something we have to wait for. We can walk in it now. Please be with us and walk with us through this. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we would love to pray for you. If there's anything that uh, maybe the message stirred in you, or if you walked in and needed some prayer for something, we can invite our prayer team to come forward. Oh, we'd love to pray for you. Um, don't forget we have a CFK meeting after this. And uh, so if you're going to, or if you're a part of, or, or need to attend that, that'll happen after this. But just have a great week. And um, yeah, what is your everything? Amen? Amen.